As, just as we're in shock over Israel's rejection of God's guidance, we must look in the mirror and ask ourselves, how have I rejected the Lord's instruction? And the author of Hebrews is reminding his hearers of this horrific event because God wasn't provoked by Egypt in this situation. He was not provoked by the peoples living in the promised land. He wasn't provoked by all of the people out there that weren't like them. He was provoked by his own people, people that wore his badge, people that called themselves his followers. Moses had been faithful to lead them where they needed to go, and they were steps away from claiming what God had given them, and yet they rejected the offer. The offer to the Hebrew audience and to us today has been given by Jesus himself. This is the offer that Jesus gives Come to me, all who, are heavy and, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that sounds wonderful. And yet every single day we have to make the decision, do we believe that or not? Every single morning when we wake up, we have to decide whether we believe that or not. Instead of a piece of land, Jesus offers us himself. He is our promised land and where our peace comes from and where our hope and our rest lie. Everyone in this room has failed to trust the Lord, including me. You have failed to trust him this year, this month, this week, this day, possibly this hour. As we remember the sin of Israel in the wilderness and how it grieved God and what it cost him, we must remember our own faithlessness, how it grieves God and what it cost Christ. Because our hope lies in the fact that he is completely faithful, even when we are not. He gives us his righteousness, his faithfulness in God's sight is given to us for our rebellion that gets placed on him. As Brad said, he died a rebel's death. Now, if you're in this room and you do not trust Christ, I'm glad you're here. The reason we have gathered in this room this evening is that God created everything, the whole world and everything in it. Man rejected God over and over and over again. The very first human beings rejected God very, in a very similar way to the way Israel rejected him. God gave them a command. They said, I don't think so. I think... I would believe this instead. And we do that every day. We are sinners. That is called sin, rejecting God's authority and his commands. And yet God in his mercy sent this Jesus who I just spoke of to die the death we deserve on a cross, to die the faithless person's death. And he did not just die, but three days later he rose from the grave, conquering death and sin, and he's seated at the right hand of God and he's waiting to return for us. And our hope is that if we turn from our sin, that way of following our own path and follow his path, we will be with him in that rest one day. He will come back for his people. He will return one day, and we will be with him for eternity. And friend, if, if you do not trust in Christ, your eternity is going to be spent in hell, which as Brad described this morning, is the active punishment of God on your life for eternity. And 40 years in the wilderness will seem as nothing compared to an eternity in hell. 
So I urge you this evening, repent of your sin and trust in Christ and have an eternity in his rest, in his rest. Now, Christians, um, I've got a few encouragements from this text. And these encouragements come from Hebrews itself. So Hebrews, they come from Hebrews 3.12, 3.13, and 3.14, which are basically... Um, the, uh, the author, the, the writer of Hebrews' ways of encouraging these people before he says, and remember what happened to the Israelites. He's saying, do these things to keep this from happening. So I just took these things, and I want to give them to you. Number one, Hebrews 3.12. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Examine your heart and your life and root out unbelief. Why did I say your heart and your life? Some of us hide our sins in our heart and don't show anybody them, but they will manifest themselves. Others of us are self-righteous in our heart and can't see our own sin in our life and need somebody to tell us about it, which is point number two. Guard your heart and your life and root out unbelief. Ask yourself, do I believe that God knows better than me about literally everything, everything. Whatever you got your PhD in, he, he invented it, created it from nothing. He knows better than you about whatever degree you have and whatever subject. Do I really think he will never leave me nor forsake me? Do I really believe that the reward is better than the cost of following Christ? Am I willing to follow him even when it makes no earthly sense whatsoever? Am I leading others towards faithfulness to Christ or away from it? Reflect on these things. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Number two, Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another... Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So salvation comes to us individually, but sanctification is a community event. None of us in this room can save the person next to us. That is God's work. We're called to share the gospel with them, but we cannot save them. But we are commanded to remind one another of the hope of salvation, to point out sin patterns in one another's lives, and to encourage them to be like Christ and not like their sinful selves. We're commanded to remind one another daily. Exhort one another every day to believe in Jesus. And how long should we do this? As long as it is called today. Does that mean we can be too young to do this? Does it mean that we can retire from this effort? Absolutely not. If you trust in Jesus, you demonstrate this belief by helping others keep on believing. If you're a Christian teenager, tell your peers about Jesus. Encourage those who say they follow Jesus to follow Jesus. Read the Bible together. Pray for one another. Listen to the questions and doubts of your friends and speak truth, the truth of God's word into one another's life. I have seen you do this. I've seen teenagers do this at fall retreat. Pull one another aside and answer questions that somebody else has. And spend time one another, encouraging one another in the truth. 
It's so encouraging to see uh, when that happens. Parents, you are responsible for doing this for your children. They need reminded each day, often each hour, and sometimes every minute of the day to follow Christ, to not follow their own selfish, sinful desires. If you are advanced in years and are about to enter this rest, remember that younger people need you to remind them of the reasons you have kept on believing Jesus. They need to know about your hard years and when you've almost given up, but the Holy Spirit kept you following Jesus. Your grandkids, both in the faith and in the family, need to hear about you following Jesus and his faithfulness to you. And finally, number three, Hebrews 3.14. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You know, the biggest reason... One of the biggest reasons that Israel didn't get to enter the promised land was because they didn't continue till the end. They did not keep on believing. God said, this is your land, come and take it. And they said, you know what? You saved us from the Egyptians. You saved us over and over again. You gave us meat. You did this, you did this, you did this. You kept us alive, you fed us. But you know what? This is the, this is the line, and we're not crossing it. We're going to go back to be slaves where our food was guaranteed. When the author and creator of everything, including every piece of food they could ever have in their entire life, was commanding them to take the land, and they did not do it. Friends, you have to continue, you have to continue in the faith with original confidence, firm till the end. So I'm leaving at the end of October, and while I may only be an hour and 15 minutes away... I will probably not see most of you again. That's just the way it works. We say, yes, we'll get together, but I've worked for two other churches in the past. It's very difficult to actually do because you join another family and you pour into that family, and that is sweet, and I'm looking forward to it, but I will miss you. So the last thing I want to tell you is this. Believe Jesus and don't stop. He is who he says he is. He is alive, and he's coming back. And we will be with him in his rest for eternity. Persevere to the end. Do not let your life end in destruction. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that if we are in Christ, we will not be destroyed. We will be in the new heavens and the new earth one day where there will be no more sin. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. It will be joy, joy, joy forevermore. And Lord, help us as we, 
as we read this passage to, these, to, these, to, the, to the audience of the Hebrews. Help us to take heed that we need to reflect on the past and the sins we have seen in the past and how you have dealt with them to warn us, to guard our future. Help us to believe until the end and persevere in the faith for your glory and for our benefit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.